Am I dead? There we go. Now I'm not dead. Call me Lazarus, Mr. Resurrection. Hey, listen, we were, I am looking at this crowd, and I just want to say thank you for choosing to come and worship with us this morning here at Dorsville. It's a great crowd. And what a special day it is with Christmas Eve. And don't forget tonight, I don't even know how to describe Christmas Eve service. It's just a wonderful, very folksy um, thing. A lot of people, I tell you, a lot of people come to Christmas Eve service to see if I can really preach 20 minutes. I know, I know. Yeah, come on, you, I know. But anyway, I want to invite you to come. We'll be opening the doors about 4, 15 or so, and we'll have plenty of chairs out. I invite you and your family to come, and that's what it is. We have several families participating tonight, reading scripture, and of course, some more great Christmas music, and so we want to invite you to come. Um, and experience that. So here we are. Hey, in the last Sunday of our our C4, and the C we C4 is an explosive, but we took it and had C uh, four C's from for Christmas, and we called it explosive joy. The first week we talked about the cradle and how it's more than a baby Jesus. The fact that Jesus was virgin born, which made him a man like no other man, which is important because if he had been like any of us. He never could have died for the sins of the world. We'd been lost and hopeless. But because his daddy was was the father and Mary was his mother, he was 100% God, yet 100% man, and he was able to be the savior of the world. Then we talked about the second week, the shepherd's crook. Boy, Brent did such a great job today talking about the shepherds and, and, and the, uh, and the uh, candy cane. Uh, that was just so, so good, and he's so, so right. You know, when we think about the, the uh, shepherd, you know, in, in the Old Testament, you know, in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, David said. And then um, we come forward and we see Jesus saying in, in John chapter 8, I am the great shepherd, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays his, down, his life down for the sheep. And that's exactly um, what he did. So it's wonderful we include the shepherd's crook. And then, then we had the cross, and that's a hard one. That's when Jesus said, is it going to be a sad message? Because it's amazing, we've got to always remember, and we just sang about it, we just sang about it is that Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. And that meant he came to die. He came to die. His purpose in coming to this earth and strapping on a human body was so that he could be nailed to a Roman cross one day and die for the sins of man, woman, or men, woman, and child. And you know the, the Bible says that the wages of sin, the payment for sin, is death. But this is such a great Christmas verse because it goes on and says, but the gift of God, the gift of God, which we're talking about gifts this week. You know, the gifts of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So our last C, then, is the crown. And our sermon title is Christmas, Kings and Kingdoms. And there's, there's several kings involved in this scripture today from Matthew chapter 2. The Christmas story has several kings. We've, we've got, you know, we three kings, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Um, and, then, and then we got a really bad king, a really bad king. And then we've got Jesus, the King of glory, the King of glory. So we want to start today, and we want to talk about this We Three Kings thing. You know, there's a couple of Christmas songs that we sing at Christmas that aren't Christmas songs. Did you know that? Yeah. The one we just played for the video and the one we sing almost every time we get together with, you know, in fact, we did this this year. There was a different version of Joy to the World every week. But Joy to the World is not a Christmas song. Dwayne, you can't be, is it really? No, it really is not. It has to do with, it was written for the purpose of celebrating the second coming 
of the Lord Jesus, of the, of the Lord Jesus of this earth. And that's why it says, you know, let, let heaven and earth, let heaven, or let earth receive its king. And it's talking about when Jesus Christ comes back of king as king and lord of lords. But it also has been just fit right into Christmas. And what would Christmas be without joy of the world? And the other song that we sing sometimes is we three kings. We three kings. And I'm going to tell you why that's not necessarily a Christmas song in just a moment. Now, since we didn't sing it today, and since, you know, I thought we kind of like ought to sing it, and if you're willing to help me, because I've still got the little froggy thing, I, I've got the lyrics. I, I'm going to sing the, the first part, but I really need for you to help me on the chorus, okay? But it goes, you probably know, if you do know it, feel free to sing along, you know, we three kings of Orient art, bearing gifts we traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star, here's your part. Oh, star of wonder, star of night, Star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. And what's amazing about this, and I said why it's not a necessarily a Christmas song, is because we know factually from the Bible that the, the three kings did not appear at the nativity. Now, if you're like me, um, mine are there kneeling at Jesus, but we know from, and I'm going to talk about it today, and it's, it's okay if you want to keep them at Christmas, it's fine. Um, but the fact is, you know, God was so cool. You know, it really, see, Christmas is longer than a day, a week, or a month. You know, Christmas spanned into two years. Um, biblically, we know that the wise men probably showed up two years um, after the birth of Jesus. And I'll, we'll talk about that today. And I just think, I just think it's rather cool. It's rather cool. Well, as I was talking about this, it, you know, you know, preachers, we, we get these things in our head and we can't get them out, you know. And I really thought about this and I started thinking about we three kings, we three kings. And what's funny about that is that most of it's not true. Um, for example, they weren't, they probably weren't, they weren't kings. Um, you know, the Bible uses the word wise men. That's really more accurate. The guy who wrote the song was some Italian guy. And, you know, maybe he liked the word, a king. I don't know. Maybe he liked a king. I don't know. But, but really, they were, they were wise men, and they were magi. And guess what? Magi is where our word magic comes from. And this is what I think is so cool. This is, you know, if you ever think, like, you know, like God is exclusive and not inclusive, check this out. Okay, so, so the, the, uh, the three wise men um, were, were magi. They were into magic. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? They were into the occult. They were studiers of the occult. They were studiers of sorcery. They studied the stars, but they also was in, were into the zodiac signs. So here's people. Guess what? They weren't into God at all. They weren't into God. And you say, well, isn't that odd? Yeah, I love the way God includes people that aren't into him yet. You know, have you ever thought about the story of Abraham? 
Y'all, y'all know the story. You know, I know. Y'all know. Some of you guys are going to church some. But, you know, Abraham was the dude that, you know, back in Genesis, and, and he was like the founder of, of Judaism and, and, and certainly, to a sense, even Christianity and, uh, and even, you know, the Islam faith, you know. All those kind of claim Abraham as the father. But here's the crazy part. You know, you know Abraham was like sitting around one day watching football, okay, and lo and behold, you know, he hears, you know, God talk to him. And he, he was a pagan, he didn't know God, didn't know anything about God. He was a pure pagan. And God says, hey, Abraham, I want you to leave your home, and I want you to go to a place I'm going to show you, and, and you're going to bless the whole world, and your descendants are going to be so big uh, that you know, they won't even be they'll be like stars in the sky and sand on the sea. God chose Abraham you know, arbitrarily, not because he's a good guy, because, again, he was a pagan. But you know what Abraham did? He believed God. And that's, what, and that's what God comes along now and says to us, okay, he says, I just want you to believe. I don't want you to have, be a good rule keeper. I don't want you to, you know, get it all right. Uh, yeah, before you can find out anything about me, you've got to learn to do it right. He didn't say any of that. He just calls us. He just invites us. You know, he, especially, you know, he invites you, hey, come to my house for Christmas. And it's just really an amazing thing he did with Abraham, but he also did it with the the wise men, the three kings who weren't kings, they were wise men. And, and you know, God just invites them on this journey. So, so apparently, and again, we're going to see this just a moment. So, so the star shows up and goes, that kind of caught their eye because they were studier of the stars. And they decided they would follow the star, lured and nudged and pulled along by this God that they had no clue what he was. But the song says, we three kings, and they weren't kings, and they were magi. And they were sinners just like us, just like us. And then there's this three thing. Well, you know where the three comes from, and hopefully we'll get this far. I didn't promise to preach 20 minutes today, um, this morning. So, so, yeah, so we say three wise men because there are three gifts. So logic tells us that there should be three wise men, but guess what? We don't have a clue. There have been made two we know there's men, so there's more than one. It may have been two, it may have been seven, it may have been 30. We simply do not know. But I like that too. You know why? Because sometimes God doesn't give us a number because he wants to be innumerable. You know, sometimes they'll say, and the multitude. And so, you know, the feeding of 5,000, you know, the Bible tells us 5,000 men plus men and children. But, but often God doesn't give us the number. And I think there's a reason for that. He wants you to know today there's room for you. Just like there was, we don't know how many wise men, so we're left to fill in the gaps. How, you know, how many, you know, you ought to blow some people's minds and go, yeah, I think personally there were 25 wise men. We, we don't know. We don't know. You get to fill the gap in. And God wants you to be included. He doesn't say there's room at the cross for this many number of people. There's room at the cross for everyone. Because God so loved you know, the world. The world. He did, he, did, he did Christmas for the whole world. Black, white, green, yellow, rich, poor, Spanish, German, Russian, you know, good people, not so good people, like any of us are really good. He he did it for everybody. And I like that. So, so we weren't kings, and there probably wasn't three. We don't know how many, but it throws the door open for you, and it throws the door open for me. But the one word that we got right, they got right, and the song title was we. 
because it's all about we. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8, it says, but God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, this whole Christmas thing is about Jesus, obviously, but it's about Jesus loving us, loving us. So no, they weren't kings, and there probably weren't three, but boy, it was all about we. Christmas is all about God loves you and sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that just good news? So I tell you what, I'm gonna, I think I'm, I've got a plan for next year. I'm going to take my wise men, and I'm going to put them halfway across the room. Okay? Hey, it's going to take them two years to get there. Okay? I mean, they were from the Far East. All right? So, yeah. So, so they saw the star and they take off. So I'm going to take my wise men and put them over here across the room. And maybe even as, the, you know, as time progresses, we can move them even closer. I don't know. But well, we want to start our story today in Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 1. It is the story of the wise men coming. And here, look, we automatically, first thing, we get this big hint, okay, um, uh, in, in verse number 1 about this time thing. After Jesus was born. Now, at that point, we don't know how long, but it implies he definitely was not there for the nativity. But after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, in the days of King Herod. Oh, that's the bad guy. We'll talk about him in just a moment. Okay? Wise men, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem. So, so these guys have been traveling, and again, for probably two years, they've been traveling, okay? And they finally get to Jerusalem, where they have been led, okay, by God, all right? And here's the deal, you know? It's so cool because the, word, the term they're translated is wise men. And in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse number 10, the Bible says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We were in man time Wednesday night, and my friend John Carr um, spoke up and said he had this devotion he saw, and it showed you know, the wise men. And, and underneath, though, it said this little caption, which I'd heard before, and probably you have too, but it's so true and so good. You know what it said? Wise men still seek him. Wise men still seek him. In a crazy world that we live in, it's so important that we as be wise enough to learn to seek God on the, in these difficult days. Now, I discovered in my study, and I, I've read the Bible through several times, and I just don't remember this scripture, but back in Psalm 72, verses uh, 10 through 13, we're only at 10 and 11 right now, but Psalm 72, 10 and 11, look at this. Now, now keep it, let me go back again. Uh, Nancy, you don't need to go back. Let me go back. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod the king, wise men from where? From where? The east. The east, okay, arrived in Jerusalem. Now, look what. Now, hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Hundreds of years before the wise men. The eastern kings of Sheba and Seba will bring him what? Gifts. What did the wise men bring Jesus? Gifts. Isn't that just like amazing? Isn't that amazing? All kings will bow to him. And we're going to see in just a moment how the wise men bowed at the feet of Jesus, uh, baby Jesus. All, all kings will bow before him and all nations will serve him. How about that? Written hundreds of years, hundreds of years before the first Christmas. 
You know, it says over in, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, it's a great scripture. Um, speaking of Jesus, Paul is writing, says this, For this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Just like the psalmist prophesied all those years um, before. Well, they get to Jerusalem, and verse number two says this. So they asked, they started asking around. You know, you know what's hey, what, have you anything about this 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 Jesus? Okay, so they asked, where is he? Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? Where is he uh, that has been born King of the Jews? Now this is going to be an interesting point. These are just fun things. These are just fun things. Look how what it says. For we saw, not that we see, for we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. So here they are, you know, here they are way over here in the east, okay? And so, so they see this star at its rising and they're, they're curious because they're star people and they're going, oh wow, what does that mean? And so, so God prods them and they start on this journey. But here's what's interesting. We're going to see in just a moment, it doesn't appear like the star showed for, for two years. The star got them started and God kept, oh, this is good. The star got them started, but God kept them going. Come on now. Yeah, see, that's what Jesus does. Jesus gets started, and then God the Father keeps us going. See, all right? So anyway, so he says, for we have seen his star at its rising when, when it came up, and we have come to worship him. Now, now here's, here's where it gets a little tough, because we got these, these wise men Three or a hundred, we don't know. We know they're wise because they're wise enough to seek God, okay? And and beginning of wisdom is, is the fear of the Lord, okay? The reverence for the Lord. Well, in verse number three, we start hearing about the bad guy. And when King Herod heard this. Now, let me tell just a little bit about King Herod. King Herod was crazy insecure, okay? He was so insecure and so worried about his throne, he had his wife killed because he saw her as a threat. Then he killed her two sons, okay, because he saw them as a threat. And then he had the mother and the grandmother killed because he saw them as And then he killed his own, his own flesh and blood, his first son. He had him killed. The dude was super insecure. He was so worried about keeping his throne. In fact, it's recorded in history that that Herod made sure it was understood that when he died, all the leading citizens in Jerusalem were to be arrested and put in prison because he wanted to make sure that people mourned for his death. This dude is just like totally bad. And he's like totally weird. So, so when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Now, it's interesting because when the word on the street got out, when these you know, wise guys showed up, okay, when they got there, they asked this question, where is he who was born king of the Jews? Would you like to guess 
what Herod's favorite title for himself was, the king of the Jews. So when word gets on the street that, hey, you know, there's these people asking about a new king of the Jews, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. He was like, it was like he was like super stirred up, angry, wanting to kill and attack. See, have you ever heard that old saying, if mama ain't happy, there ain't nobody happy? Yeah, well, in Herod's case, if Herod ain't happy, people die. He starts killing people. So you want to know why all Jerusalem was disturbed? Because Herod was disturbed. And when Herod was disturbed, you could end up losing your life. It was crazy. It was crazy. So, so here we are. All Jerusalem stirred up now because the king is all stirred up. Look at verse number 4 and 5. Okay? So, he, he's got a, a, a diabolical, a terrible, a horrible, a dark plan. And he needs two pieces of information to put this plan in action. Does anybody know what the deep, dark, diabolical plan was? Yeah, he's going to kill all the two-year, all the male babies in Bethlehem two years and under. Have you ever wondered why it was two years and under? Yeah, because two years have passed, and Jesus is not a baby. He's a toddler, okay? So that's the big plan. But he needs two pieces of information to put that in play, okay? So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. Now, we're not going to debate whether he should have known that. All right, that doesn't matter, all right? And, but they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophets. So he's got his first piece of information. He now knows what area to target, okay, to implement his diabolical plan of killing all the babies two years um, and under, okay? Then we have verse number seven. So then Herod secretly, secretly summoned the wise men and asked them, aha, here's the second part, the time, and asked them the exact time the star appeared. Hey, when did the star first appear to you? Oh, it was about two years ago. Aha. So now he knows, okay, now he knows where the Messiah was supposed to be born. That was in Bethlehem. And about how old should he be looking for? Two years and down. Two years and down. Okay? So his plan now has the pieces of information. So what he does, he's a great liar. In verse number 8, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. Notice the word child. It's not the Greek word for baby is the word for a toddler, okay? Go and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, report back to me so that I, too, can go and worship him. How many of y'all think he wanted to worship him? Nope. He wanted to kill him. He, remember the Grinch? The Grinch so bad wanted to stop Christmas. Guess what Herod wanted to do? He wanted to stop Christmas before it went any further. Now, he didn't want to worship him. He wanted to declare war on him. He wanted to try and kill him. That's what his plan was. Well, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go ahead and go. Let me go back there real quick, Nancy. So, so I want you to go to Bethlehem. I want you to search carefully. Then report back to me so I can worship him. Well, what did they do? Okay, exactly that. Verse number 9. 
Okay? So after hearing the king, they went on their way. Okay? Now watch this. Watch this. This is just a little tidbit of fun information. Okay? And there it was. What? The star. It's like it reappears because it did. They saw it as it's rising, but now it appears again. And there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. And guess what? It led them until it came and stopped, uh, stopped above the place where the child was. Isn't that cool? So God turned, apparently, turned on the star and it saw the star, and God kept them going. And now, when they've got a target in Bethlehem, the star reappears and directs them not just to a town, but to an exact spot, the place where the child was. Isn't that just incredible? Verse number 10 says this. And so, when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Because, again, what started the journey now continues the journey. And they were so excited And then entering the what? The house. This is one of the reasons we know it's time has passed. Time has passed. And so so they're not in the stable anymore. They're in a house, okay? Entering the house, they saw the child, toddler Jesus, toddler Jesus. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. Remember, remember the beginning of wisdom? is to fear, to respect, to worship the Lord, okay? And when they get there, after this long, incredibly long journey, they do what their hearts drive them to do. They see him, they worship him. Just like Abraham went from being a pagan to a great God follower, these wise men went from being magicians and occultists and sorcerers to be God worshipers. And, oh, 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 and that's what God does. That's what God does. See, you're sitting here today and you're going, you know, God can never love me. You do not know what's in my past. Well, let me just promise you this. God knows exactly what's in your past and his grace is greater. There ain't nothing you've done or will ever do that can outmaneuver his love and his grace. So, so they fall down um, and they worship him. And, and then in verse number 11, the second part, we get the presence. We get the presence. And then then they, they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I know, I know you're saying, well, you know, those aren't very cool gifts for a baby. But see, God had given them insight because it, it was, it was, they were preparing for the time when Jesus would not be a baby. And by the way, y'all know the story, don't you? You know, they are taken to Egypt. You know, when, when Herod tries to kill the, the boys in Bethlehem, God warns them, get out and go. And they went to Egypt. Have you ever wondered how they funded that? They didn't have MasterCard or Visa. They didn't have any Sky Miles. You know how God funded that? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. God provided the funds. He has a tendency to do that. Gold. Gold. A gift for a king. A gift for a king. Frankincense. Used in the priestly duties to worship God. Myrrh. A burial spice. What these wise men did was honor Jesus as king, honor Jesus as the high priest, and honor Jesus as the sacrificial lamb who would die but then come back to life. Isn't that amazing? 
Isn't it, come on, isn't that cool? I mean, it makes, the, it makes the Christmas story like explode, explode. You know, Robert Flatt said this, and it's really good. You know, the giving of gifts is not something that man invented, you know? I know y'all thought Walmart came up with it. You know, God, God started the giving spree when he gave a gift beyond words, the unspeakable gift of his son. You know, you know, Paul wrote and said in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And when you think about Jesus left heaven, strapped on a human body, lived a perfect sinless life, and then willingly, willingly, knowingly went to this horrible cross and was willing to be sacrificed on, on the cross for us. And then the third day, boom, defeats death and comes back to life. That is an indescribable gift. Isn't that awesome? Well, the wise men stick around a while. We're not sure how long, but in verse number 12 it says, And then being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they return to their own country by another route. And that is the big part of the Christmas story. You know, there's a guy named, I don't even know who, Howard Thurman I do not know who Howard Thurman is, but boy, did he write something good that, that we need to look at. Look what it says. When the heavens are still, the angels are quiet, and the star is gone, when the kings are heading home, and the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins. See, again, this was the beginning of his work. The work of his Christmas would begin, of, of Christmas began as he grew to be the Savior of the world. Go ahead next. Yeah, here we go. To look at this. It's, oh. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, and to bring peace among people. That is the work of Christmas. I love Christmas. Yeah, I love the traditions. I do. I love it. But you know what I really love? I love the fact that Jesus is the reason for the season. And I, I love it because, because there's hope. Can I tell you something this morning that I'm going to tell you tonight? We received word this week that my sister has terminal pancreatic cancer. She's just a couple years older than me. About six months, if she's lucky, to live. It's pretty devastating. But you know what? She's a believer. And you know what? Because of Jesus, there's hope. We got word this morning that one of our dear saints, Lodema Sis, went home for Christmas this morning. And you know why there's hope? Because of Jesus. And no matter what you're facing today, no matter what you're facing today, I love Christmas because Jesus and there's hope. There's Jesus and there's hope. And, and that just means everything to me. Now, you remember that little scripture, that prophecy I had, Psalm 72? Did you like it? Remember, remember it said, kings of the east will bring him gifts? Okay? It gets better. Listen to this. This is verse number 12 and 13 from Psalm 72, that prophetic scripture written hundreds of years before Jesus was born. He will rescue the poor. Wow. He will rescue the poor when they cry to him. He will help the oppressed who have no one to defend them. Look at verse 13. He feeds, he feels pity for the weak and the needy, and he will rescue them. 
He will redeem them from their oppression and violence. For their lives are what? Precious to him. The work of Christmas began as Jesus grew to be a, grew to be a man and then lived his life, ministering and touching the lives of people. Let, let me read something to you. And this is from Luke chapter 4. It's, it's, uh, it's a quote from the prophet Isaiah written hundreds of years. Okay, But listen to this. It's Jesus talking. Adult Jesus. So he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, how about that? Jesus went to church. As his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now, notice how close this was. This is to Psalm 72. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. He said, I am the fulfillment of Psalm 72. Can I just give you one more teaching point? So, that morn, that first Christmas morn, that morning, when God became man, when light crushed darkness... And when sin met the Savior, the true king invaded earth to redeem me and you, to seek and to save that which was lost. And that is Christmas. So my my prayer for you today is that you'll receive this wonderful gift. My my prayer for you today is, is that not that you got religion. Boy, trust me, you do not need religion. And frankly, you don't need a denomination like Baptist either. But you do need Jesus. And today, if you've never put your faith and trust in him, I want to invite you to do that. Our invitation is a little bit different. Normally, I'd have Brother Brent stand down front, um, and, and of course, the altar would be open. But we're going to do a little bit different today because I thought it would be special if we went and observed the Lord's table this morning, the Lord's Supper. And, um, and that's, what we're going to, that's how we're going to close our service. Um, the team will be coming up in just a few moments. And, uh, and if you've never had, you know, you're saying, Dwayne, am I invi- it's okay if I do this, you know? Oh, Dwayne, I'm not a member of your church. Hey, listen, we practice what we call open communion. And the only requirement is that you know Jesus. That's it. We don't care if you're Baptist or, or Methodist or whatever. That doesn't matter. Um, but if you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, we'll invite you to take communion with us today. And the way we do it here, we've got four tables, one in each corner, and we invite you, after I pray and stuff, to get up out of your seats and go to the table and get your elements, and elements being a piece of bread and, and some grape juice. We're, we're Baptists, okay? Great, yeah, grape juice, okay? And, um, and then down front here, we've got gluten-free, even if you, you know, you're worried about the gluten thing, this table is gluten-free. But after I've prayed, I would invite you, and the team's going to start singing, I invite you to go to the table and get your elements and go back. And then um, I'll lead us in, in the elements at the end. But it's really cool because, you know, Jesus did this on the night before his death. Remember we talked about he was born to die? Well, the night before his death, he's in the upper room with the guys, you know, with his disciples. And, you know, he passes this, this bread around first. 
And he said, you know, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Um, take a remembrance of me. And symbolically, symbolically, he was saying, tomorrow I'm going to have my body broken, and I'm doing it for you. And then, of course, in the process of breaking his body, having his body broken, you know, he spilt his blood. And again, that was, you know, he passed a cup around, and he said, now this, is, this cup is the new covenant, the new, the new promise of God in my blood. And as often as you drink it, drink it remembers me. And it wasn't real blood. It didn't transfigure into blood. It simply was symbolic of his spilt blood. So, so today, that's what we do. But do you hear that key word? Do this in remembrance of me. And the reason I think it's very appropriate today, yes, we remember the broken body of Jesus. Yes, we remember the spilt blood of Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross. But you know what else we remember? That's all about him. That as we go home today and we start the celebration of Christmas, we're going to try to remember that's all about Jesus. It's all about him. He truly is the reason for the season. So I'm going to pray a blessing. Team's going to come up and sing for us. And then um, when you're ready, you may stand to your feet and go to the tables, get your elements, go back. You'll find them stacked, by the way. The bread will be on the bottom and juice on top. If you give it a little twist, um, they come apart. If you need someone to bring it to you, just raise your hand, and our deacons will bring the elements to you in case you have difficulty walking. We want this to be a wonderful experience for each person today. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you very much. Um, Wow. Thank you. Thank you for the story of the wise men. Thank you for teaching us that everybody's invited. You don't care how broken we are or how sinful we are, that your grace is sufficient and your blood sacrifice is sufficient. So thank you for that. Lord, as we celebrate your table today, help us to remember. Yes, remember that you went to the cross for us and your body was broken and your blood was spilled that we could have forgiveness because, as we said earlier, that the payment for sin is death. And someone had to die for our sins, Jesus, and you did it. So thank you for that. We remember that. So may what we do now in just a moment, may it be honoring to you. And Jesus, I pray it in your precious name. Um, Amen.